One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration and collaboration creates community and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So today's interview is with the executive director of the Canadian Race Relations Foundation. Her name is Anita Bromberg, and we had a great chat. We talked about racism in Canada. We talked about anti-Semitism and tolerance and this idea of outing others and, and, and why hate speech and, and free speech are two very, very different things. Of course, we touched on reconciliation and uh, all of the sort of the touch points, but we talked too uh, very specifically about the notion of inclusion and, and whether or not it's enough. And, 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 and change being kind of too fast. And so you get some really interesting insights there for sure from Anita on a whole lot of things and why she believes we need to continue fighting racism, of course, but, but also need to work towards building inclusion. Please uh, check out uh, davidpecklive.com for more uh, podcasts. We are now over 200 uh, live uh, interviews, uh, live interviews, interviews, online. Uh, check them out there. Sign up for the email list. Uh, please uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, through iTunes. Check us out on Rabble. And if you want to find out more information about my speaking and my writing, you can do that there. So uh, please stay tuned for Anita Bromberg with the Canadian Race Relations Foundation. Well, welcome to Face to Face, and we are joined by another very special guest today. Uh, Anita Bromberg is here with us. She's the Executive Director for the Canadian Race Relations Foundations, uh, Foundation. Anita, thank you for your time today. Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. Well, here we are sitting in the Japanese-Canadian Cultural Centre, uh, the day after Michelle Obama's speech in, uh, at the Democratic Convention in the U.S., where she said, quote, I wake up each day in a house built by slaves yeah. close quote it's kind of an appropriate uh, timing we've we've had a we've had a bit of trouble finding time to have this interview but the timing in a way couldn't be better yeah that 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 line is obvious and yet startling isn't it 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 really is i mean so i mean in some ways you know being a canadian i guess there's a part of me uh, that's not smug uh, but certainly is sort of proud of our 
I suppose, our Canadian heritage, whatever that means. Right. But, you know, the fact that we're do-gooders and that we have this inclusive approach. And you look at what we're doing with, you know, Syrian families and refugees and so on. And yet there's a, an edge where I say, really, there's a, there's a need for a Canadian Race Relations Foundation? Tell, tell, tell me more about that and, yeah. and, and where this came from. Because it's a relatively new Foundation. It is. I would think relatively, if you're measuring it by Canadian history, where we're heading for the 150 year, um, the, you know, a, a young uh, child actually in one of my presentations asked me, is there racism in Canada? He was about five, six years old. And I think the teacher started running over to hush him because I guess she knew where he was going. And I said, yes. I said, and then, you know, and I, I said, it's, it's an ever-growing problem. And he says, but you, you've been fighting it all your life, you said. And I said, I have, you know. I remember when I told them a story of, of how I countered and, and faced an anti-Semitic uh, bully, actually, uh, when I was four years old. Wow. And uh, so the child looks at me, he says, uh, uh, so there is racism was sort of in his mind, he, and I've been fighting it all my life. So he says, "Guess you're not doing a good job." <laughs> and then, so and funny. I, you know, apparently going to be a comedian later in life. Well, I or a serious commentator yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know, uh, my answer back was, "Well, you know, I I hope we're making a difference," and and I think that's the reality. I don't think that we're ever going to. Um, wipe out racism, you know, Star Trek started with that, that vision and I think as you watch the, the latest shows, you, I think they realize too that that's an uh, unrealistic goal. Nonetheless, I think that should be our goal. I think there should be a zero tolerance to racism. Do you, li do you live in a, um, would you say you live in a hope so universe in a sense? Well, You know, uh, that you hope that we eliminate racism, but right. the reality is we probably won't. Right. The best we can do is is um, out the others, um, but there's always going to be the others that that are stirring the pot. Um, you know, I think it, it, we Anita, have to face the reality. You know that that um, that individuals we we are as a hu part of the human race, the human race. I believe there is only one human race. Mm. Um, we we make distinctions naturally, right? You know, a child has to learn some survival techniques. Uh, you you pat uh, a kitty, you run from a tiger. Um, you know, you you are selective on, on the friends that you make. But the the value judgment that comes with it comes through learning through uh, interaction with adults. And it's, it's uh, the responsibility of adults, of, of what we pass on to our kids, that, that then um, are, are the proof of the pudding of where we're going on, on, on these, from, from the natural distinctions we make amongst people um, to, to outright racism. Um, you know, we, it's, it's an ongoing initiative from, from birth on. Um, more we understand the process, the better we can counter it. Is it? Do you think it has? Um, is is it a nature nurture kind of a thing? Is it? Is it? Is it all about socialization? I think or so. I don't think any child. I guess I'm. I don't know. Do I remember my philosophy of yeah. 101 in uh, university? I 
I can't believe that any child is born evil. Um, I suppose there's the rare case that you could say that there's something wrong from the moment they came out of, uh, were born. But I think, you know, I interact with kids all the time. And you, you can't help but understand that, you know, even when a kid is being rotten, you know, you can find the goodness in that child. And well, there seems to be, I think, you know, be, uh, having you know, fairly young father still, I think there is an inclusivity to kids right. to a certain point. And then you start to see it in the, in, in the schoolyard. You start to hear stories, the bullying, the separatism, the, the, the exclusivity, yeah. you know, the other. They're, they're something other than we are. I'm reading the book Wonder right now. I don't know right. if you know it, but it's all about bullying. And it's really, there is an underlying tone of, 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 uh, of this, this objectification of the other, which it seems to me that we do pretty easily, but... But it's the value judgment you put on it, mm. that, and their adults have an important role to play in educating our kids, and, um, and, and when I say adults, I'm talking about teachers, I'm talking about the school system, I'm talking about everybody around it. You know, here's, Politicians, here's the, community here's group that, leaders, you know, etc. Yeah. That African philosophy that it takes a village to raise a child, I think it's very important. Um, just today I heard on the CBC, and I won't remember the name of the educator, but uh, he, he was very forceful in reminding that the schools need uh, to get a handle on it. Because what ultimately, you know, racism is, is, is a poison that spreads, um, and um, it, it can be countered. It, it, uh, but if it's not countered, you know, it, it goes right up the totem pole, so to speak, right to... Um, right to um, outright racism. Do you, think, do you think the conversation is or has to be uh, about racism? It's not about race anymore. I mean, your comment earlier, you know, there is only one human race. Oh, well, anybody that try, I, you know, the very concept of race was, was I think, largely uh, enlarged into our daily conversation by those that are racist. Mm. You, you, you see, if you, you can justify slavery, if if you say they're of a, they're not the same as you, they're of a different race. Um, that's just a process of othering. Um, so, so we can't not talk about this. I opened up with Michelle Obama's right. comment. We can't not talk about what's going on in the U.S. just a little bit. Let, we'll bring it back to the Canadian context in a second here. But, you know, you've got the Trump uh, uh, rhetoric. Um, you've got the Democratic rhetoric. Uh, one seems to be more inclusive than the other. Where 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 are you sitting with this? Is it is it is it is it is there an, a, a deep underlying unsettling tone of racism in the West that we just haven't dealt with yet? That clearly is bubbling to the surface as a result of what's going on in in, in the U.S. This the quick answer is yes. Mm. I, um, I, the longer answer is sure. There's distinctions that we can make between us and the United States, and we can sit here smugly and say that we're not the United States. But you know, and and you'll hear that. Let's say in the in countering um, the existence of Black Lives Matters movement here in Canada, you know, uh, we're not the United States. You don't need it here. But I but I don't think that's helpful to the conversation because essentially. What, what we need to do is understand each other's stories. That's good, yeah. Right? We need, we need to open our hearts and our minds and, and really hear what other people's experiences are. And the minute I say to somebody that's engaged in the Black Lives Matter, well, 
you know, guys, this is Canada now, not United States. And, and I can sit smugly and say it, there are differences, and I believe there are differences. But what am I doing when I say that? What I'm doing is silencing them. I'm, I'm not listening to their stories and their experiences, which I can learn from, which, I, which can help foster a, a, a more inclusive Canada. And the fact is that, you know, we like to believe the image of Canada as, as always being an inclusive society. And sure, you can find it. I mean, you know, why was Canada created as a bilingual um, country? It was a recognition from the beginning that, that if Canada was going to sponsor, uh, prosper, then you know, we, we're going to find a way for the British and the French to uh, work together. It was purposely designed as at least a bi-inclusive from the beginning. Fortunately, they, we know that now uh, better what, um, that it should have been an inclusive society for all, including, for example, obviously the Aboriginal um, and we uh, communities, and we obviously have a huge uh, problem um, to face here. And although I think here's where my hope springs come mm. back, mm. I think we've opened a, an important door to to a long path ahead. I think, um, but. Um, um, you know, we, yes, we can make distinctions, but the bottom line is that there's been racism in Canada ever since, the, you know, the first white man set on shores on, uh, on Aboriginal uh, lands and failed to recognize, the, you know, the, tr the treaties that were made in good faith and, and all that goes to it. I mean, that's a 10-year that's a, a conversation. Right. But... Um, we have to recognize that there's problems here. And, and look, you, you see the ugly graffiti that, that is, uh, um, you know, against the immigrant um, populations, the refugee population. Calgary is an example, but it's, it's only one example. You see the racism against the black communities. We, you know, I could, I could pinpoint and say, oh, yes, that's Hamilton, that's Halifax. Right. These are cities we visited. but. You know, the reality is it happens everywhere. Uh, Aboriginal communities, you know, Winnipeg was labeled last year by Maclean's, I believe, as uh, actually based on, on, I would say, not a clear reading of our survey products, that Winnipeg is the most racist spot in Canada. Where, where the truth comes from that is that Winnipeg has a large Aboriginal urban population, and a lot of the problems that exist across Canada are, are uh, um, centered in Winnipeg, and uh, Winnipeg can be, and, and good for the mayor, uh, Winnipeg can be, has taken up the challenge to be a model of, of change. Mm. You know, I, I'm, I am... One of I, the largest I, Mennonite populations as well, I believe, right? True. Which is kind of ironic in, in a way. I it mean, is. I'm not sure what that says yeah. at this point, but... Yeah, well, and, and you know, it was for a long time uh, the home to one of the largest Winnipeg, uh, uh, sorry, the uh, Jewish populations mm. in Winnipeg mm. as well. Do I, we, are we just afraid of each other? I mean, a massive oversimplification, but is that is. sort of what it comes down to? I suppose you could call it fear. Um, I... I think what our surveys show is that we really don't understand each other. And mm -hmm. that goes back to my point with the B Black Lives Matters. We, we need to listen need to, to listen. each other's stories. That's where it starts. That's really at the root of reconciliation. You can talk about activities that are needed. You can uh, talk about um, uh, 
you know, the impact that you want to have as, as um, um, you know, all these models tell you to build. But, but, you know, I truly believe it's about the dialogue and the conversations, finding ways to interact with each other. Um, and do you think, Anita, that eventually, and I, listen, I am all about education and uh, understanding and listening and so on. Do you think, though, that that will, in fact, lead to change? Will it lead no, to no, legi legislation and so on? And, well, and, and, and new, new world views, I guess. So the, the fact is education and educators can't do all the work by themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, you do, a teacher can teach a child all they want, but if they go home to a, a family right. where there's bullying and, you know, um, insensitive, if not outright racist remarks, you know, what's the child to think? Who's the child going to listen to? Um, you know, there's a, I, I think that... Uh, Everybody has a part of it, so there's a there is a role, and I hate to say it because some people will disagree with me, but I truly believe there's a role for um, the criminal system hmm. to counter um, hate, uh, uh, hate, uh, hate speech. I, I I've used the criminal system. I think it should be the extreme case. I agree. Do you mean to actually put somebody away yep. to, to arrest somebody yep. or tar charge somebody based on hate yep. hateful speech? I 100% think that every sector of society has a role to play, and I, you know, in my work, I've I've called on on sectors across um, communities across the country to step up to the plate. Um, you can't. No one group can do it. Recently, I, I saw an article uh, um, with I think Jerry Seinfeld was interviewed uh, by hmm. maybe Stephen Colbert or somebody okay. one of one of the late night guys. And there's a concern amongst comics that there's a, this idea of being politically correct is right. taking over, and this idea of well, they're going to start restricting what comics can say because you know we're all about comedy and we're all about puncturing right. holes and skewering, and if that happens, then what, right? I mean, this is what a comic does. This is about satire and so on, and I guess it's about freedom of speech. Right? Uh, are you in that camp, or would you say, hang on a second here, there are lines? Oh, for course. you, there are lines. Hate, spe hate speech and free speech are two different mm. things. Um, you know, free speech uh, builds a democracy where, where um, all voices have an equal chance to be part of a conversation. Hate speech excludes groups from that conversation. It, 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 it breaks down democracy. And is that the kind of thing that the Canadian Race Relations Foundation is um, adding value to and, and saying, well, we, we can help with that. We can help you understand what actually hate speech or hateful speech actually is Absolutely. or might be. As a matter of fact, a um, um, little plug moment. But, yes, uh, please, go. Um, uh, our upcoming conference, yeah. um, a conference that we hold every two years that brings together people in, that are interested and active in the sector of, of building uh, diversity and inclusivity um, come together. Um, uh, we call it, um, you know, bringing communities together, and we mean not only individuals but sectors. Uh, the theme for this year is uh, building an inclusive Canada. And I, the backdrop is, you know, we're hitting the 150 mark of Canada. Right. Um, how, what, what do we see uh, are the barriers now to building that kind of Canada that certainly uh, the majority want to see? 
Um, and this this conference, uh, keynote speakers, breakout sessions, there'll yeah. be lots of wonderful food, no doubt. It, I hope so, and it's going to be <laughs> Got to provide some incentive. There Anita. you go. <laughs> well, I, I promised you good coffee. Good coffee, yeah. excellent. And it's being held uh, October 26th and 27th right. at the Japanese Canadian right. Cultural Center, uh, not far from the Science Center. Not far, right across from the Aga Khan Museum, too. We're and, in a great and, location. And I'm going to say to my listeners, you need to come to the conference just to hang out at the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center. Yeah. It has got to be the coolest building, yeah. the most yeah. uh, best kept secret in Toronto. Like it I was, is. I was blown away when I first, first and, uh, arrived. And uh, um, remarkable. It's remarkable because it's part of the story of the Japanese community. Mm -hmm. So. Um, so at the conference, what one of the things we're going to be doing is uh, in our breakouts and panel sessions is actually looking at those kinds of issues. What do we want around policy, for example, police, uh, human rights uh, commissions, um, in, in as we build an inclusive, continue to build. So conversation for you, for the foundation, then does lead to change, does lead to legislation, does lead to policy. It, it has to in a way, doesn't it? I it mean, that's so that's the difference between you know a, a gathering where you just watch let's say uh, and they and it absolutely has its place you know you have a multicultural festival where you watch each other's dancing and that's a great way to get to know each other and it certainly has its place we we want to have conversations that are a little bit uh, more directed in a way that breaks down barriers and builds inclusion. Do you, do you come out of a conference like this with recommendations that you might present? Absolutely. To, yeah. That's and um, we do a briefing uh, looking at what could be the next steps and it's an opportunity for those that are thinking about this that are engaged in this that it's by for those that it's vital to their work for youth that that want to see the future and and uh, want to make it better to come together and um, put an action plan. The original title was an action plan, but we mm. thought we'd be a little more creative. But essentially, that's what we want to focus on is 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 that plan of action. As I continue to do these interviews with with people like yourself who are doing great things and and trying to shift the needle, as it were, when it comes to social change, always fascinated by. Why this and not something else? Why aren't you working as an executive at Tim Hortons or, you know, something along those lines? Can you talk a little bit more about um, that? Was it you were four years old when you were bullied? Is um, that is it? I was, mean, is there a thread? Can we look back to that oh, and say was, that might be the the, the, the was, pebble in the pond there for you? There was absolutely a thread. Um, I grew up um, um, largely with uh, immigrant grandparents, a whole host of grands, you know, great aunts and, and so forth, they, and they raised me um, until around um, the time that I was uh, 12 when my grandmother unfortunately passed away, quite probably the worst day of my life because mm. she's brought so much insight into my life, but, um, but um, the incident was around uh, being four years old and finding myself with my uh, grandmother who didn't speak uh, much English at all. Uh, she actually, uh, funnily enough, knew more Aboriginal than English because mm. she, she was, worked with the Aboriginal community. So. But in any case, so she, we were at the store and I often, well, even as a young kid, would accompany her and often found myself being the, the translator when she didn't know where. And she had gone into the store looking for uh, some um, 
uh, brown bananas for her baking. Okay. You know, the reduced um, stall, you know, a counter. Right, okay, right. I see what you mean. Right, yeah, right. So she right. asked. They're beyond ripe. That's it. <laughs> they make the best here. Little, they do. Little baking tip. I do know that. They make yes. the best ban uh, banana. Elizabeth, breads. my wife, freezes them when they get to a certain That's point the and then they come out okay. for muffins and see, so on. That so for those listening, there's my tip. There you go. There's value in the face-to-face -face, uh, podcast. <laughs> there you yeah, go. Yeah. So she asked for some, and the next thing I knew, the manager, as it turned out, of the of the produce division, was mimicking her behind her back and making fun of her, you know, and used a few um, racial slurs. Hmm. So what is a four-year-old kid mm -hmm. to do? Mm -hmm. I turned around and walked up to him and I said to his face, and luckily he didn't hit me and throw me over the counter, but um, I basically said, I saw what you uh, did and um, I'm going to go talk to the manager of the <laughs> store. And how old are you? Four. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like something my daughter Victoria might do. Yeah, okay. so he actually was very embarrassed. My grandmother wow. tried to drag me out of the store. She was so scared. Um, but I stood my ground, and um, he uh, apologized and went and found her all the bananas she could possibly <laughs> want just to get her out of the store, I guess. But um, that was that was not that was one of many encounters. Actually, I grew up in Winnipeg, and, um, and we had um, I was at a private Jewish school, and um, we had many incidents mm. of, of being attacked in the playground. Um, by other kids with racial slurs accompanying mm, the mm. attacks, you know. Um, I, another time, my dad was pulling out of a parking lot and uh, in a big mall, and uh, he almost hit a guy on the bike. My dad's fault. And uh, my dad jumps out of the car. His, my dad was a doctor in Winnipeg and was going to try to help this guy. And the guy looked up at him and said, you effing J-word. Um, get your hands off of me. And I looked at my dad and I said, how did he know you were Jewish, Dad? And my dad says, you know, some kind of, uh, he, he makes a joke about it. But uh, boy, was that a startling moment for oh, a young kid. Oh, I guess kid. so. I mean, how do you, I mean, how, you can't erase those kinds of moments, no. right? So I, I'm, you know, if, if I could give you a hundred of these little things that, that sort of propel me and... Um, and yet, in your case, uh, uh, it sounds like hatred didn't breed more hatred. Racism didn't breed more racism. It actually created in you a desire to see some kind of change. Now, maybe, you know, obviously there was an evolution there, and it took I, time, but... I, yeah, I think that's true. I think good role models, you right, know, seeing right. my, my uh, dad helping his patients. How, and, and how do you unpack that? What was the conversation when you got back in the car with your dad after that, right? I think that's something that was I'm learning important. as a parent. My know? dad said, look, he was upset. And, mm, and, wow. And, you know, defended we, him. He defended him, yeah. Wow. Yeah, my dad was, you know, he was upset. A little shaken that he almost yeah, ran someone course, over. Yeah, of course, of course. But he didn't say that I should, you know, hate those kind of people. Right, right. Um, I certainly heard from my parents, um, you know, some sympathy for what um, was a growing Aboriginal urban problem. And you know, uh, sorry, that comes. That's absolutely wrong. The, the problems faced that the urban-based uh, Aboriginal communities were facing in Winnipeg, not. You know, which uh, the opposite 
could have been racist remarks, sure, you know. Sure. So these, I think that that where I am now is certainly an evolution. I mean, I ended up in law, could have stayed in the practice of law doing, I don't know, real estate deals. I right. don't know what. It wasn't my favorite thing. Um, but again, one of my kids had an influence on me when uh, I was tucking him into bed when he was about six years old. And he said to me in the cutest voice, he said, uh, he said, so mommy, did you do anything good today? <laughs> I don't That's know exactly great. what he meant by good. Yes, of course. But I, I had just done a real estate deal and an individual was less than appreciative of the great effort that it made. And, and so there I was thinking, oh my goodness, I gotta do something different with my life and fast. So. The, the, yeah, there's a lot of things that influence the building. The building way. blocks, right? The, this is why I'm so on about the little things making a big difference. Mm -hmm. The the splash and ripple effect, the domino, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, I mean, when you go back and you look, I mean, here's a, here's an article I found uh, recently. Scott Gilmore from McLean's Magazine, the title: Canada's race problem. It's even worse than America's. Listen to this. The, quote: The racial mess in the U.S. looks pretty grim and is painful to watch. We can be forgiven for being quietly thankful for Canada's more inclusive society, which has avoided dramas like that in Ferguson, etc. We are not the only ones to think this. In the recent release Social Progress Index, Canada is ranked second amongst right. all nations for its tolerance and inclusions. Uh, inclusion. Unfortunately, the truth is we have a far worse race problem than the United States. We just can't see it very easily. Close quote. That's Scott Gilmore from an article uh, January 22nd in McLean's 2015. I mean, he goes on to paint kind of a fairly grim picture of us as Canada. I know, you know, to your story, you go back not that long ago. There's lots in our history that we have to not be proud of. Lots. You know, back back to the Second World War and and so on. I mean, you don't you don't have to go very far back to say. We've come a long way. Uh, we're not maybe the country that we, we thought we were. And then he ends the article by basically saying, we need to admit can uh, the last line, Canada has a race problem, period. So that's interesting now because and I agree with him. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I kind of see the Canadian Race Relations Foundation as being uh, very st strategically placed to make a difference through mm -hmm. various initiatives that we sure. have. From, sure. uh, a dive this year into youth activities, our, our conference, um, um, and then translating those into some briefing exercises with the government. We're, um, as you know, uh, a crown, we're an odd mix of both a crown agency that grew out of the Japanese redress agreement, um, as well as a not-for-profit, even charitable status. But, I kind of like to see us as a bridge between government and, and, mm, and the communities and opening that bridge so that there's, you know, not the ugly trolls at either end, so to speak, um, is how I see it. Um, as well, and just to be clear, you are not entirely funded by the government. You are definitely looking for support and donations and families and people to come alongside, and this is what you mean about that odd mix. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, we, but and and we have a model for that from our very history. And mm -hmm. the the Jap the Japanese redress agreement, the people that were behind it, like such as Art Mickey, who is um, uh, to this day still on our board um, as a, as um, an adjunct member, um, they saw the need that if if they were going to counter the, the ugly kinds of racism that that community faced over World War II and 
afterwards. I mean, mm -hmm. ask mm -hmm. the young guys coming out of the uh, internment camps um, how hard it was to get a job. Right. You know, right. and but but you know the, the amazing stories. Uh, the Pope comes through too because mm. it it was an opportunity for individuals from communities that never really had anything to do with each other to reach out to each other. You you hear you know the inspiring stories of Adrian Clarkson of of what of how the neighbor um, grocery man you know supported their family at the worst time. Mm. A young Japanese guy t uh, story of how he came to Toronto after internment camp looking for work and a Jewish uh, man um, uh, making jeans or something, you know, gave him a bit of test, found him to be the most honest of, of, peop of uh, individuals and gave him a job and there was a lifelong sure. friendship that yeah. came out of it. Yeah. I mean, there are inspiring this is the inc stories. This is incremental change, right? Yeah. This is building blocks, splash right. and ripple. Yeah. But they, yeah. they, they, so they, the Japanese community took a portion of the money that was coming to them for, as, as, as uh, redress and said, we're going to build an institution that's going to be there to fight racism, to build inclusion. And I take that, you know, mandate very seriously now, especially. We, we, there's all kinds of pressures on that. We see how, um, you know, simple acts of, of um, insensitivity growing right through the range to, you know, and, and there's a direct connection to radicalization, to terrorism. Mm. Terrorism is hate. Sure. It's just a lethal form of hate. It's it's um, it's with it, it's lethal because the, the hate is attached to philosophy, and that, it's not necessarily new because the white uh, white supremacists have long attached a philosophy to their hate, and has inspired them even to do acts of violence. Canada is not immune to any of these this range of activities from sip, simple acts of of um, prejudice, of biases, stereotyping that might close some doors from individuals when they're looking for jobs or equity in schools, right to to the range of of, of um, hate-inspired violence. We've seen it. You know, Canada's. We know that Canada's not immune to it. Uh, Air India. Uh, people forget about it. it. It it's there. It was mm -hmm. it was based on hate. That, that found its way to tie, bring Canada into it. Um, we've had the knife-wielding um, extremists that, that have rocked this country. Um, I don't think it's about numbers. I think it's about needing to get the conversation right. And we, the good part is that we have a base. You know, our report on Canadian values, a, a survey that we did in 2000 and. Um, 14, 2015, no, it would be in 2015, that, that sorry, no, 2014, um, that launched our uh, present project that's just coming to uh, an end this year, um, um, focusing on shared Canadian values. And we did a survey about what values Canadians see as important to them. And, you know, interestingly enough, multiculturalism, while it featured, wasn't the top ranking. Oh, okay. Um, I think because we just—it's just who we are. We we've come to accept it. 
we don't always agree what it exactly sure, means, sure. Yeah. but we've accepted. And same with bilingualism. But the values that came up on top was, you know, uh, democracy, human rights. Hmm. Um, the list goes on along that thread. Civility, even these were things that Canadians valued. Well, I see that as the hope. Right. Right. If we can agree on these shared Canadian values, then we just have to figure out how to to bring everybody into the conversation. And to me, that suggests something else. We always play around with the words, right? Like tolerance. Is that a good word? Is that a bad word to to uh, talk about what we want? Um, what? Um, sorry, wrong way. <laughs> um, I thought I'd turn that off. I think um, that was Prime Minister Trudeau. It wasn't. Yeah. I would have taken the call. <laughs> but in he, you know. It's funny that you'd say that because this is, you know, he's he's talked a lot about yeah, these absolutely. issues, you know, yeah. and he's he's yeah. done a great job of putting them on the table. Best we take them out from under the table yeah, and put absolutely. them on the table. Yeah. Well, this is where I mean, you know, you got to start somewhere, and the conversation has to begin. Right? And and one thing we all know that if you're going to counter racism, you better have the leaders with you, right? The, leading the charge, reacting to those incidents where they happen. Uh, helping uh, other the other, you know. Nicholas Kristof just published an article in the New York Times and, and is looking at the, the the historical racial edge to the Trump family, and he's very careful not to come out and say that they're racist. However, that's certainly the implication. Mm. And when you you know, just as you mentioned that, and you say you got to have the leaders, this is where I mean, I'm getting a shiver. This is where I think a lot of us start to get quite concerned about. Yep. But what, what, what blew me away about it all, I know I don't want to get sidetracked because we are going to have to wrap up here shortly, Anita, but it's the response. Yeah. It's the way people are responding. It seems to be a little too um, gleeful, <laughs> if that's the right word, well, you know, saying, wow, this is, this, he's finally, he's speaking out for but, us, you know? But not everybody agrees. And no. That brings heavens, me no. sort of where yeah. I'm was Back going. to the hope. Well, I think part of the conversation that we have to understand is that people do and use the word have fears. Um, people do have concerns, mm -hmm. let's say, mm -hmm. around, let's say, immigration. In Canada, it was about, you know, what's happening to house prices in Vancouver or uh, Chinese language signs in Richmond or, or um, I, I don't want to stick with the West Coast, but in the interest of time, let's say, we're, we're at you know, we, we've got these kinds of concerns that come up. Um, to what, what happens too often is that the minute anybody expresses a concern, they're labeled as a racist. Right. And that shuts down the conversation. Sure it does. Yeah. The reality is that we have issues that are challenging us. We have to have, find a way to have the dialogues. Tolerance is not necessarily what we want because that means just putting up with Just me. putting up with other people, sure. Inclusion is an interesting word that we now all use, we're using. Well, is that enough? See, my theory is that what, what's happening all too often is the change is just too fast. Mm. And you're asking people to accept that change where they've got, they don't really know the implications, they don't know the people around them. Um, they've got real concerns, but they're even maybe out of political correctness, at least mindful enough to not even express them. So you got people not engaging in the conversation. 
inclusion, I think, in some ways is not enough. There's another component, right? Diversity isn't easy. It's easy to be diverse. It's a fact of life in Canada. It's long been where, where you know, the majority of people are, uh, are fat. It's at least fast approaching that the majority of people in many urban settings are you know, are the minority, which is kind of bizarre. We've got to change some of that language around there, too. So diversity happens. Um, some organizations need to be a little more proactive around it, and the value of that we could talk, you know, is another long conversation. Okay. Inclusion means that, you, that we find a way to um, make sure that the door is open to everybody. It was an interesting... Um, Michelle Obama talks about, you know, cracking that glass ceiling, but bringing everybody along with mm -hmm. them. That's kind of what I see inclusion. But there's something missing in the conversation if you just stop at diversity. If you stop at tolerance, big problems. If you stop at just diversity, you haven't hit the mark. I don't think we hit the mark if we pat our hands when we see inclusion. So. What, what exactly do we mean by inclusion? And I see it as, you know, as I say, opening the doors to understanding each other, making sure that everybody has an equal opportunity. But there's a problem, there's another word that's missing in that conversation, and that's, I think, the challenge of today, and that's the word cohesion. Hmm. So when you force change where the community isn't um, comfortable with it, they see changes happening too quickly. And you hear that, for example, in, when we were in Richmond, uh, B.C., uh, at one of our events. You, you clearly see that there's the changes happen. People living in that community for a long time are now not able to recognize their own community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and they're labeled as the racist and told to shut up. Well, that's not healthy. Not now, they, some of them could be actual outright racists, but there are others that, that want to have this conversation. If, if you're going to achieve the promises of diversity, you have to face the challenges. And part one of the challenges is not only inclusion, it's cohesion. It's I good think. community conversation, cohesion. It's Having good. people working together. Mm. Um, if you don't work to cohesion, I think you get you might see a more um, United States model, if you mm, will. Mm. We need we're at the brink here too. You know, uh, there's the old saying that what happens in the United States is about five years ahead. Right. Well, I I think we I can't forget that we have. That's why the importance of the conversation because it. It, it doesn't mean that everybody agrees. Yeah, no, of course not. But it means not. that everybody's willing to well, compromise you, in the interest of, well, of I, peace building. And if I you think will. you you started with empathy, and yep. I think that's it. You know, the idea of listening to to other people's stories. Thank you for your time today, um, Anita Bromberg. She's the executive director of the Canadian Race Relations Foundation. If you'd like to learn more about them, check them out online. But also, uh, you know, put it in your calendar, October 26th and 27th, 2016, at the Japanese Canadian Cultural Center, Realizing an Inclusive Canada 2017 and Beyond. It's their national conference and awards of excellence. Um, Anita, thanks so much for your time today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.